We are going to dedicate this learning, Mirz Hashem, for Fua Shlema, for Shlomo Ben Dvora, um, whose son Eitan uh, learned here. He stayed, I think he was year five and six, I think. Um, Um, and uh, really scary to think that what they're going through and Hashem should bless them he should he should be zochet to dance at his grandchildren's chuppah so I had a um, I must have told you this story but it doesn't matter it's just so appropriate um it was a guy, uh, Uri Faraj. Uh, his yurtzeit is actually uh, around this week, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I didn't really know him that well. He was an uh, ishchulia. He was from Chelchimush. And what that means was that, you know, Israeli tank crews are trained to deal with a lot of issues in their tank. You know, we have to learn how to work on the engine. We have to learn how to make sure that the sights are calibrated, fix the tank tread if it falls off, all sorts of stuff like that. But there is a certain degree of proficiency and technical knowledge that a tanker just doesn't have the time to train for. So that's what Chel Chimush is for, right? Um, these are, or Chel Tazuka, these are the guys who, you know, they, they take it to a different level and they have specifics regards to the tank. Now, the guys, they know how to fix and they know how to deal with it. And... Um, Usually the guys who are in this unit, they're not Kravi, for the most part. They don't bring them into the battlefield. They're there to fix the tank when you bring it back to whatever. Um, but, you know, when you're in training, you'll have like a small three-man unit from Chal Chimush. They'll be attached to your company for issues that come up because it saves time and time is money, and you know, at least in training. And um, so they weren't really part of our unit. You're not talking about like, you know, the Oraita level, Talmidim, like... You know, these are the guys who go to Duke University. You know what I mean? Like, they're not... Nobody going to Duke, right? Okay, we can make fun of them. And, uh, you know, usually these are boys with um, difficult social challenges. Um, they come from very difficult backgrounds. Uh, they very often draft later so they can spend the next year trying to earn some money to help support their families. Anyway, this boy is named Uri. He used to like to hang out on our tank. I had a, uh, I was a driver. This is long before I became a commander. And I had a, a guy in my crew called Pinny. I think I told you about him. And he was the gunner. And Uri used to like to hang out on our tank because Pinny had this band that he really liked, this music, which honestly back then until this day just seems to be like noise. I really didn't get it. But if a guy likes music in the army, I had a little tape recorder. He had some cassettes, and he would play this White Snake. Have you ever heard of White Snake? Good. And uh, he used to listen to this crazy heavy metal band. I don't know. And Uri loved this music, so he would come and hang out. It's not like today where everybody has their music on their phone. You're out in the shetach. You're in the middle of nowhere. Nobody has music. So I had a little tape recorder with batteries, which was like a big deal because you could fit it in your gear. And he would come hang out in the tank. This particular day, in the middle of Tzamap, which is like intense tank crew training. And the way this worked is they're, they're, this is your, we were about six, seven months in the army. Now they're training us based on what we learned how to train as a crew. So like if you're a driver there, you know, you do all these crazy, you know, mountain pass roads and 
breaking obstacles with your tank treads and all sorts of stuff like that. If you're a gunner, you're learning, you're learning how to train as a tanker. And the way it worked was they would watch each tank crew maneuver and all the other tanks just sat and waited while, till it was their turn. So you actually had a fair amount of time to sit and chill. I wish I could say that I pulled out my pocket Masechti Avamos and, uh, you know, steigd, um, didn't. It was very difficult for me to learn, like, in those situations. But I used to get into great discussions. And so this boy is sitting on a tank, and we got into this discussion. And he finally says to us, like, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, you're American. Like, you grew up in New York City. How on earth did you end up in this muck? Like, if I was you, and I was born in New York, I mean, I'd be partying, I'd be in New York, I'd be like, you know, rah-rah. So we get into this discussion, and we start talking about why we're here, and maybe not Israel, and Siyonut, and Akash Baruch and it gets really deep. And uh, at one point, the topic of Shabbat came up, and he said, like, ev- like he goes like this, I think it was his grandfather, who would insist that all the grandchildren would come and they would hear Kiddush. You know, there's no such thing as a Chilun Yisvaradi. And, um, but then he would, like, they would go out to party. He said, I really don't get what you get about Shabbat. And I said to him, look, I don't know that I could explain it to you, like, why I love Shabbat. But I could show it to you. Like, my parents have an apartment and we are all, you know, when I get out of the army, I get to go there, Right. And they had just gotten it like a few months before. It was like awesome that now I had a place to go. And my brother and I were both in the army and it happened to be that that Shabbat, we were both getting out. And I hadn't seen him in like five or six weeks. So whenever we get out for Shabbos, we would invite all of our friends. And there were like, I don't know, 25, 30 people coming. And you know, we were gonna cook food and make a big Shabbos. And I said, you're welcome to come, right? Come hang out with us. He goes, ma, like, like, like there's no parents, there's just. I said, yeah, we're all gonna make Shabbos, right? You know? Friends from Barilan, friends from Gush, but they're all gonna come. And um, he said, well, can I bring my girlfriend? So I said, sure, you could bring your girlfriend. You won't be able to stay in the same room. Like, you know, there's an apartment next door and the girls are staying in the apartment next door, but sure. So he gets really excited. He's gonna come for Shabbat. And I'm thinking like, this is amazing. I'm gonna like, I'm in the middle of the army. I'm gonna take this guy to show him Shabbos. It's gonna change his life. Like, how could you have a Shabbat in your life and not have it change your life? He gets off the tank, and uh, they called him to go see something, do something, fix something in one of the tanks. I don't know, maybe 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes passed by. We're sitting on the tank still, Penny and I, just schmoozing, listening to music, whatever. And all of a sudden, we hear this loud explosion. Of, right? Everybody's, like, shocked. And uh, we look around, and one of the commanders starts running. And what turned out was that there had been a Lao anti-tank uh, shell, like a, a weapon that you shoot, it's an anti-tank weapon, and it had had the safety seal off. For some reason, the safety seal was broken. It had stayed in the tank, it was there from when they had been in Lebanon, and come down, so the sergeant saw it, so he knew that technically it's illegal to have an anti-tank weapon if the safety seal is broken on your tank. So he asked the commander, I guess the commander said, like, take it off the tank, and they put it on the side, and they, you know, marked it with some rocks that nobody should pick it up. But they didn't put a sign there and they didn't put the salavan, whatever, this white tape. And Uri Faraj, who wasn't a tankist, he didn't know the rules, he just sees this really cool thing on the ground and he picks it up and he starts playing with it and he accidentally triggered it 
and this spring went off and hit him in the head and basically took off like a quarter of his head, knocked him out. Um, he was lying on the ground. There was actually brain matter coming out of his brain. There was a medic who managed to stabilize him. They had a helicopter the whole day. Obviously, maneuvers were canceled. And they helicoptered him to Yushalayim, to wherever it was, to Barzilai in Ashkelon. Um, I actually went to visit him. I got out that uh, Friday and I went to visit him in the hospital because I had been like, we, it was the last conversation. And um, met his girlfriend. And blissfully, about six months later, he was in a coma. Six months later, he was nifter. And ever since that event, I have thought about that. Like he was this close to a whole different life. He was going to come experience Shabbat the way Shabbat was supposed to be. And I don't know if he ever had a Shabbat like that. And what would have happened if he'd had that Shabbat? He would have had, I think, maybe a second chance on his entire Jewish identity. The children that now never would be born might have grown up in a completely different environment. Who knows? But he didn't get that second chance. Second chances. Do you ever get a second chance in life? Do you get a chance to do it over? Who here has not had the experience? At some point this year, of having some epiphany, some realization, and looking back and imagining, if I'd only known this a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, what a different place I'd be in, you know? If I was sitting with my, I don't know, seventh or eighth grade buddy, and I got deep into the zone and I decided I'm gonna do, you know, an Amr a day. Like an Amr a day, what's an Amr a day when you're in, who doesn't have time in seventh or eighth grade to find an Amr a day? You'd have half of Shas by now. Who doesn't think that? And if only I had the chance to do it, can you imagine if you have had that thought at 18, can you imagine what it's like to feel that way at 60? Like you look back, like if I, when I was 15 years old, had decided to do that for 45 years, right? I could have done a quarter of a number today and I still would have owned Shas two or three times, right? Do you ever get a second chance? Now, why am I bringing this up in pressure by Lodcha? Okay, glad I am then. Because there is an incredible mitzvah in this week's parsha. And you don't expect to find this in this week's parsha. In the middle of the desert, Be'alotchata Nirot, Aaron, Kohanim, lighting candles. Listen to this. Vayasuta Pesach Barishon, Barabasa Yom Lachodesh Ben Arbain. This is now a year later. This is the anniversary of BTS Mitzrayim. Can you imagine? I remember my parents years later telling me about the anniversary of the Six Day War, the first year after the Six Day War. Can you imagine the first year of Yerushalayim? Crazy. This is the first anniversary of Pesach. Like they're sitting down thinking about a year ago they got out of Mitzrayim. So, Vayasuta Pesach, Barishon, Barbasa, Yom Lachodesh, Ben Arbaim, Bemidbar Sinai. The first Korban Pesach was brought, the second was brought. On the 14th day of Nisan, in Midbar Sinai. By the way, this will be the last time they do this before they get there to Israel. Because for 40 years of warning, they don't do the same thing. But that's a different discussion. 
ויהי אנשים אשר היו טמאים לנפש אדם. And there were some people who were טמאים. They were impure. Not clear why they were impure. ולא יכלו לעשות הפסח ביום ההוא. And they couldn't do the פסח on that day. Now you can't offer a קורבן פסח on a different day. Right? You don't get a second chance. You can't wake up on the 16th and say, Oh my God! And offer up the קורבן פסח. Can't do that. קורבן פסח is about פסח. If it's no longer the 15th day of Nisan, you can't offer up קורבן פסח. Right? You can't do קול נידרי two days later if you missed your flight and you got here two days later. Right? ויקרבו, and they come close, לפני משה ולפני אהרון ביום ההוא. So they come before Moshe and Aaron. Now, by the way, that's amazing. Like, okay, you missed it. Now, let's be honest here, okay? You wake up. Let me tell you a secret. You can halachically miss Yom Kippur. Let me tell you how you halachically miss Yom Kippur. <clears throat> you take a flight. on Erev Yom Kippur. And you cross the international day line, right, about an hour before Yom Kippur. And if you're going the right way, you scoot ahead. It's not Yom Kippur. You land in Australia, you miss Yom Kippur. Halakhically. If you're in Australia, and they're ahead of you, you don't keep Yom Kippur when they keep it in Israel. And if you're in Israel, you don't keep Yom Kippur when they keep it in Australia. So if you pop ahead, there's a big suffix about this. Because of the international date line Not clear is Machlokas When you would keep Shabbos If you land in Hawaii In fact Rav Shachter It's a true story Rav Shachter Rav Herschel Shachter Will not fly to Hawaii for Shabbos Because it's a suffix When you keep Shabbos in Hawaii Right My wife once asked me So what would we do if we went to Hawaii I said I'll figure it out Don't worry They send me to Hawaii I'll figure it out But you understand It's a suffix The, the Mir Escaped Escaped uh, Poland And they made it to, you may know, Shanghai. And they had a suffix about when to keep Yom Kippur because of that. Do anybody know what they did? This is unbelievable. They kept two days Yom Kippur. They kept two days Yom Kippur. They fasted for two days. Now, by the way, in 1943, fasting for two days was not a big deal. Lots of Jews were fasting for two days those years. But that's unbelievable. So you miss Pazach. I'm not even talking about that other group who's like, I miss Pesach, right? Skip the Seder, blow it halachically, but not this group. They come before Moshe and Aaron. I'll tell you something else. This is an unbelievable Rashi. Why does this, this is one of my favorite Rashi's in all Tanakh. This is unbelievable. This is a Paraktet Pesach love. You're going to love this, right? What do they do? Vayavo, right? Vayikravu. לפני משה ולפני אהרן, ביום ההוא. On that day, on Pesach, they come before Moshe and before Aaron. I'll read it again, ask me a question. ויקרבו לפני משה ולפני אהרן, ביום ההוא. Pardon? No, because they're tummy. They can't do it, but they come before Moshe and before Aaron, ביום ההוא. Should I read it again? ויקרבו לפני משה ולפני אהרון ביום ההוא. Come on, two questions, yeah? Pardon? No, of course it's Pesach, it's ביום ההוא, it's the 15th day of Nisan, yeah? Why not לפני משה ואהרון? Why לפני משה ולפני אהרון? That's a very good question, excellent. Ask me a better question, yeah? How 
Oh, that's not a problem. No, no, Baruch Hashem. If you don't want to catch a disease, just stand two meters away. Rabbi Aaron can show you how to do it. It's not a problem. No, come on. Yeah? Oh, that's a question that's above my pay grade. Why did they go to Moshe and not to Hashem? Come on, obvious question. Why did they wait so long? That's a good question. Not the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> Why did they ask Erev Pesach? Okay. Maybe they didn't realize it. Maybe they tried to, and somebody said, oh, you're tummy, goodbye, right? Okay, good question, yeah. Come on! Lifnei Moshev, Lifnei Aaron. Oh, that's also a good question, but not the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, Rebecca? Why not say Lifnei Moshev Aaron? No, that's what I was just asked, but that's good. Lifnei Moshev Aaron, come on! So somebody has a Shiloh. He has a Shiloh. He's not sure how to understand the Ketzos. So he comes to Ravon Lechazin and Benny Friedman. You come to Ravon Lechazin, you don't need Benny Friedman. You're asking a lachik of Moshe Rabbeinu. Why are you asking before Aaron? Listen to this one, right? Oh, this is good. You couldn't pick a better day of the year to listen to this Rashi. This is unbelievable Rashi. Quotes the Sifri. Are you ready? Have I built up the anticipation? It's unbelievable. Listen to this. They ask them in the base medrash. How do I know this? Because it can't be that it would say they come. So you might think, oh, why does it say the name Moshe, the name Aaron? Because the first they asked Moshe, and then they came and they asked Aaron. So it's two separate. He says, that's ridiculous. If they ask Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't know they're going to ask Aaron. And by the way, we know that Rashi is correct because, you know, Rashi comes to explain Shah. There are a number of cases where they go before Moshe and Moshe says, I don't know, and he asks the Kosh Baruch Nobody then goes to Aaron. If Moshe doesn't know, nobody knows. So what does it mean they go before Moshe and they go before Aaron? It must be that they were in the base of learning together. That's what Rashi says. He doesn't, this is not a, this is not like, you know, the Hasidic Enochal Rebbe. This is Rashi. This is Pshat. It's Pesach. And where do you find Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron? They're learning in the base members. What could Moshe Rabbeinu have to learn? He got an Baruch Hu. Even Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron, they got to find time for the base. Could you beat that Rashi? Challenge you, come up with a better Rashi. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You're in the University of Maryland, you're not sure what to do. Moshe needed to sit in the base members. You could find time for the base members. Okay. But that wasn't why I brought this in. Right? Why should we miss out on offering up the carbon Pesach? At its time. Amongst the people of Israel. Stand Wait Right? And I will hear what Hashem will command you. This is an unbelievable puzzle. Imdu stand, and I will hear. Hashem what Hashem will command you. Listen to this Rashi. This is Like a student who is guaranteed to get an answer from his rabbi. 
You know, 15 years ago, if I had a question, I could call up a Vamital. I could call up a Vluchensin. I could walk over to the basement of Nakoto to speak to Rav Nevinson. And I knew that if I got a hold of Rav Lichensin, and if I had a Shila, I get a hold of Rav Lichensin. If I asked Rav Amitav, I get an answer. <clears throat> I could even ask Rav Riskin. Today, Rav Riskin, Chibadol Chaim Arukim, he should be healthy as Parkinson's. It's not so easy. Rav Lichensin and Rav Amitav are not with us. Moshe Rabbein, Moshe Rabbein asks the coach, Baruch And he knows he's going to be able to ask, and Hashem is just, and listen to what Rashi says here. Ashrei Yalod. Praised is, is, is a person like Moshe, a, a human being that could be born. Ashrei Yalod Isha Shekach Muftach. Shekol Zman Sheyarotze Ayam Daber Yim Ashchina. That any time you wanted, he could talk to the Shechina. What an unbelievable thing. We take this for granted. We're so busy learning Torah and Moshe Rabbeinu and then Sarah Sadibros. Do you understand Moshe Rabbeinu? Could just ask a Kashbarchu. A Kashbarchu would answer. Do we appreciate that? Lahavdil, but only Lahavdil a little bit. You have a question today? You just walk over and ask Mablau. You know? Mablau is near. Go, go Chapra of Gavriel. Now, if Gavriel's talking to a Talmud, go to Rav Judah. You're not sure? Go find Rav Davidl. He's floating around. Right? <laughs> Did we appreciate that this year? Did we appreciate that? What a gift we had. What a gift we had. And I'll tell you a secret. I get that gift all the time. You know? What somebody here quoted, I don't remember who it was, but thank you, 100%. You know, a few months from now, I'm sitting in Beis I'm learning. I remember the story I'm about to quote you. Pesachim, is it Chav Gimel or Lamed Gimel? I said, Blah, is it Chav Gimel or Lamed? Chav Gimel, Lamed Beis, in the bottom, it's the third line, but the Nusach of the Yerushalmi, it's unbelievable. So let me ask you a question. So what does what Moshe Rabbeinu say? Vayidaber Hashem and Moshe Limon, and this is amazing. Moshe Rabbeinu says, Imdu ve'eshma'a, ma yitzavei Hashem lachem. I will hear what Hashem is commanding you. What happens next? Hashem speaks to Moshe. Obvious question. Really? Moshe says, I'm going to hear what Hashem says commanding to you. So Moshe then speaks to, so Hashem then speaks to Moshe. What could Hashem have done? He could have spoken to Moshe. I know, it's like unbelievable. Knocks things over, that idea. He could, he could have spoken to Ben Israel. Why doesn't he do that? Why doesn't Hashem speak directly to Israel? Why does he talk to Moshe? Pardon? Ah, excellent. Because he tried that. He shares two dibrot. The Gemara Shabbos says, their, their souls, they couldn't, the physical essence of a human being just couldn't handle it. So they said, stop, or we'll all die. And without getting into all the details, if you look at the end of the Torah in Dvarim, Moshe Rabbeinu basically says, so? Like you could hear Torah from Hashem, you're worried about whether you're going to be physically... Do we want it enough? Do we want it enough? Okay. 
So what does, what does Hashem say? Daberu b'nei Yisraelimor, ish ish ki yetamei l'nefesh, o b'derech rechoka. So a person who's tamei, o b'derech rechoka, or he's far away. O l'dorotech lachem, o l'dorotechem, v'asa pesach l'Hashem. Now for you, or forever. Right? And Pesach comes. Bachodesh Hashini, b'arba'asar yom, ben arba'im. He can do a redo a month later. Some of you may remember, on the 14th day of Iyar, that is a month after the 14th day of Pesach, you have an opportunity to offer up Korban Pesach if you missed it the first time under certain circumstances. And that's called Pesach Sheni. The ultimate redo. That's why we don't say Tachnun that day. Right? Pesach Sheni. But if somebody is tahor and he could have done the first Pesach, but he just finagles his way out of it, that's a different story. So he can't do it. And that's an Isser and an Isser Kare, so I'm not going to get into it. Let me ask you an interesting question. Let's say somebody converts to Judaism. Now let's think about this for a minute. Somebody converts to Judaism on Rosh Chodesh Iyar. Does he offer up a carbon Pesach on Pesach? No, because he's not Jewish. But now, it's two weeks later, he became a Ger. So he has an opportunity to do Pesach Shema. But he didn't actually miss the first Pesach because he wasn't Jewish at the first Pesach. So the Torah says, Beferish, and we pass on Allah, let's say, uh, I don't know, you want to go on vacation. And your family's going to Switzerland or, I don't know, to Aruba on vacation, right? Nebuch, right? And so you figure, okay, I'm going to blow Pesach because I'll be on a plane. I won't get caught in Pesach, but I'll be back in time for Pesach Sheni. What do you do on Pesach Sheni? Anybody know? Nothing. Because you missed Pesach because you didn't care enough. That doesn't work. There has to be some reason. You have to be tummy, you have to be tummy for a good reason, whatever. So, Pesach Sheni is only if you make it up for a good reason. He doesn't have to make it up. He wasn't Jewish then. You have to wait till next year, right? No, listen to what the Torah says. And if there's a ger who became a ger in between the first Pesach and the second Pesach, he makes Pesach on the second Pesach. The halacha for him and for you is the same. So, we have a number of questions here. Because that doesn't make a lot of sense. Right? First of all, why dafka is, is Pesach the opportunity to do Pesach Shein? If you're Tameh on Shavuot, you don't get to bring Shteyalachim later. If you're Tameh on any other Rugalim, you don't bring Olatariyah a month later. Right? If you're Tameh and Yom Kippur, you don't make up Yom Kippur. So why Dafka Pesach? It's a little strange. Number one. Number two, fascinating Gemara and Sukkah. What is this story here? What exactly was going on um, with these Jews who were Tameh? It's a little bit interesting. So there's a great Sukkah in the Gemara and Sukkah, right? There's a Mishnah. This is, by the way, if you want to create sugya for a bar mitzvah, is a fantastic sugya, right? Shluchei mitzvah p'turin min 
Right? If somebody's on the way to do a mitzvah, he's potter from the sukkah. <clears throat> Without getting into when that is, when that isn't. It's a whole discussion. What, what does that mean, potter mitzvah, potter minat sukkah? So the Gemara that gets into Gemara Minayin, you know, how do I know this? How do I know <clears throat> that if you're in certain circumstances in mitzvah, <clears throat> you're potter from having a sukkah? The Tanur Rabbanon b'shiftcha, right? We say v'lechcha v'der b'shiftcha b'vitecha v'lechcha b'der, and you're known, right? Prat la'oseik b'mitzvah. If you're in the middle of the mitzvah, you're part of from kriyashma, right? If you're, I don't know, at a funeral, and because of that you miss kriyashma. If you're getting married, without getting into the halachic and what the halachic means. So the Gemara continues and says like this. Was part of this discussion. Vayhi anashim asher yut meim lenefesh adam. There were people who were tummy. It's our story. Who were these people? Who were the people who were Tamis? They couldn't offer a carbon Pesach. Listen to this. Three opinions. Right? <clears throat> the first opinion is Rabbi Yossi Aguil. Rabbi Yossi Aguil says, No se arono shal Yosef. They were carrying the Aron of Yosef. Remember that Yosef was Mashbiah. He made the brothers swear that you will bring me home. Right? Just like his father Yaakov, he wanted to be buried near Israel. They wouldn't let him, the Egyptians wouldn't do it for various reasons. Right? Go try to move Lincoln's bones to Israel. They won't, uh, right? He's buried in Arlington. So he says, when you come out, you have to, so they have to find his kever. There's a famous medrash, Moshe Rabbeinu goes to the Nile, lifts it up, right? They're carrying the Aaron of Yosef. Now if you're carrying a coffin of a mace, your tummy the mace. So they were tummy the mace because they were carrying the arm of Yosef. By the way, what's the problem with that? Nobody? Yeah? They had the opportunity to come Yeah, they had about, I mean, they've been out for a year already. <clears throat> it's a little strange. <clears throat> Unless you say that they were bidyuk on the road. And now they encamped in time for Pesach, and that's why they didn't have time. Make sense? Except the problem then is, who decides when they camp? Kashbar. So Kashbar knew they'd be tummy. So why didn't he plan it? So that they could get time. Okay, and by the way, it's an interesting question. How do you become, it's like a, it's like a uh, you know, it's like a one-liner for a joke, but how do you become tummy in the desert? How do you become tar in the desert? It's no makeup in the desert. Right? Unless you rely on Bayer Miriam, which is a little funny, but okay. So that's what Yosef Aglu. Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says, no, nah, this is much easier than this. Mishael ve'el tzafan. Hayu. Shayu oskin ben If you remember the story of Nadav and in Vayikra and Perak after Nadav and die, however they die, Moshe Rabbeinu commands Mishael and El tzafan, who are the, the, the grandchildren of Aaron, they have to come and they have to take the, the, the bodies of another review out. And they were still metasek with this. They were still dealing with this. They were still coming. But Yitzchak says, Im no Yosef Right? The book of the Rebbe was right. They could have become tar already. Okay? There was time since another uh, review were, were killed. Right? Ella, Oskin b'meis mitzvah Okay? There was someone who dropped dead. And it happened right then, so they became Tommy. Now, we're not going to do this right now. Fascinating question. What's the nafkamina between these three? Whenever the Gemara has three opinions, there must be some difference. But what interests me right now is, 
What's the common thread of these three? They're Osek by Yosef, they're Osek by Badunavi, they're Osek by by Mitzvah. And what does Yosef have to do with the story of Pesach Shein? And why are we dealing with Pesach? And one last question, right? So the Gemara says, okay, the Gemara quotes the Pesach, this is the Gemara now, Pesachim, on Baptist Gimel, and the Gemara says, Ger Shinitgayer ben Shnei Pesachim, based on the Pesach. Somebody converts to Judaism in between Pesach and Pesach Shein. Fascinating question. Kid becomes bar mitzvah, does Kodesh Nisan. Does he offer up Korban Pesach on Pesach? No, he has no chiyav. He's a katan, right? He's not bar mitzvah. But now he's bar mitzvah. So he missed Korban Pesach. So, should he offer up a Korban Pesach? Now, if he has to offer up Korban Pesach, then maybe he has to make up Yom Kippur. Maybe he has to hear Tekios again because he was a cut and he wasn't Chayav. So this is what the Gemara says. Okay? Chayav lasot Pesach Sheni divi Rebbe. Rabbi Natan Omer kol she zakuk lubishem zakuk sheni kol she ain't zakuk lubishem ain't zakuk sheni. So Rebbe says, yeah, he has to make it up. Rabbi Natan says, no, he only has to make it up if he needed to have done it on the first Pesach, but a cut didn't need to do it. And a gear didn't need to do it. Right? What's the machlokas routine? So the Gemara says, Rebbe Savar Sheni Regal Bifneatmo, Rebuda Nasi Paskins, Pesach Sheni is its own regal. It's a, it's a separate chag. It's called Pesach Sheni. Rebbe Natan Savar Sheni Tashlum in Derisha. Rebbe Natan says, no. Pesach Sheni is just you're, you're, you're fulfilling, you're, you're fixing what you messed up in Pesach Risha. So how would you think we paskin? This is interesting. I want you to know. It makes sense to me that Pesach Sheni is Tashlumin. You miss Pesach Rishon, you make it up in Pesach Sheni. Listen now the Rambam Paskins. By the way, where would I find this Pesach about Pesach? What's safer? Eh, that's what everybody says. What's the correct answer? Karbanos. Because this is the din in Karban Pesach. Now think about that for a minute. We're almost done. The Rambam separates Hilchos Chometu Matzah, which is in Sefer Zmanim, and Hilchos Karban Pesach, which is in Sefer Karbanos. Fascinating. The Ikar of Karban Pesach is that it's a Karban. It happens to be a Karban on Pesach. Fascinating. Number one. Number two. What other set of halachot or what other Sefer might we have thought Karban Pesach would be in? Avoda. Why? Because the whole people... Right? Did we offer it up? So what do we learn from this? This is such a great example of how understanding how the Rambam organized the Lacha, you can learn from that. That carbon Pesach is or is not, it's not a communal carbon. Even though you do it as a family, it's not a communal carbon. It's a carbon Yachid. Each individual Jew has an obligation to be part of a carbon Pesach. He does it as part of a group. Fascinating. So here's my last source, and then we'll put this all together. Ger shenit gayer. Ben Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni. If a guy does giur. V'chein katan shehigdil. Ben shnei Pesachim. Akiru became bar mitzvah after Pesach, before Pesach Sheni. Chayavin lasot Pesach Sheni. And there are other halachot there that won't end. So that's interesting. By the way, 
The language here is ger shenit gayer. Isn't that interesting? What might, have, might I have expected it to say? He's not a ger until he's mitgayer. So a ger converts, he didn't convert as a ger, a guy converted. Why would we say ger shenit gayer? And how could it be that a ger who is a goy on the first Pesach, he's, a, he's not Jewish, is somehow obligated in Pesach Shein. So listen to this idea. This is Gishmat. And this is such a powerful way to end this year. Such an appropriate thing to think about right now. The Chida, right? Chaim David Azulai, he was um, a Talmud of the Orachaim. He actually came for a while, he lived in Yerushalayim. And he learned Torah with the Orachayim, the Holy Orachayim, right? Um, he wrote a sefer on the Shulchan Aruch called the Birke Yosef, the Chida. But he was known, uh, he's one of the halachasists. He actually died, I think, in Italy. He lived from 1724 to 1806. Tremendous Talmud Chacham. And he says the following. He says, even before converting, there is a spark of holiness in the non-Jew who wants to convert and that spark of holiness, that Ratzon, a guy doesn't just do Giyur out of the blue. Think about the burning desire you have to have to be fueled, to do a proper Giyur, to be a Ger Tzedek, to want to come under Kanfei Shina, to, to be a part of the Jewish people. In the middle of Chalonitsky massacres, in the middle of the expulsion from Spain, in the middle of the Byzantine massacres and the pogroms and the Roman Empire and, and Nazi Holocaust and everything else. What you're, what you're making up, says the Chida, the reason that on Pesach Risha, even though he's not Jewish yet, he already is going to be able to make that up is because the desire of the Ratzon is already there. The fundamental topic here is Ratzon. You know that's one of my favorite topics. Desire. That the, the passion that a human being has to grow, to come closer to Hashem. You know what this has to do with Yosef? If there was ever a you, a Jew, a human being, who had a right to throw out the whole thing, it would be Yosef. Abandoned by his brothers, sold into slavery, thrown into a pit, makes it work in the house of Potiphar, and then gets dumped again into jail in a pit, and just never loses his love for Akash Baruch Hu. He, he, he. He's stuck in Egypt. But like that story I once told you, a Jew is never stuck. He's sent. Go figure out why he's sent there. And that's what Yosef does. And one of the last things Yosef says before he dies is, I may be the viceroy of Egypt, but my home is Eretz Israel. At the very least, you have to take me home. And I know that there, I know what's coming. I see it. I know what's coming. And by the way, the Midrashim and what was already going on as Yosef became weaker and died is unbelievable. So look it up in the Tanchuma. You will one day get home. Do not give that up. You know why this mitzvah is by Pesach? Because of all the Chagim, Pesach represents the spark of Ratzon that never dies. 210 years. 80 years of hard labor. Unbelievable. This is the Jew who is given by the Oberstum Führer the opportunity to make one bracha 
and he says, Shaloh Asanigon. This is the Jew in the midst of Chmelnitsky's massacres who is dancing while he sings Mika Mocha, Gaal Yisrael. Unbelievable. That's what Pesach is. Pesach is you never lose the Ratzon. Pesach Sheini says, there's always, always, if you're, how does this whole story start? Vayikrovu, they had to come close. Always. If you're willing to come close, if you refuse to give up, there's always another opportunity. Always. And that's why, by the way, Pesach, Pesach is the first of the festivals. It's the beginning, it's the sprouting of that Ratzon. That's what the Chidah is saying. And by the way, all three opinions, Rabbi Yosef, Lili, Rabbi Akiva, they're all saying the same thing. Right? What is, what is, what, Yosef Atzadik was the Jew, never give up on Eretz Yisrael. Nadav Naviyu is this overwhelming passion to come close to Hashem that gets so out of control that they end up bringing an Eish around, they get consumed and, <coughs> and taken right by Krovaya Kadesh. And the Mace Mitzvah is the person who says, I may be on my way, Korban Pesach, whatever, but I have this opportunity to do a mitzvah. Now, we don't appreciate this, right? Imagine that it's Pesach in the time of the base of Mikdash. And, and you've invited the whole family. And you've got your lamb, and you're going to take it up to Yushalayim, and you're going to Korban Pesach. And it's an unbelievable festival. And you pass a Mace Mitzvah. And if you're going to be Mitzvah in the Mace Mitzvah, if you're going to deal with the body and then you're going to, this whole festival is going to go out the window. You're going to be tummy. You're not going to be able to go to the base of Mikdash. You're not going to be able to eat the Korban Pesach the whole nine yards. You're going to not have to come back and do it again a month later. This is not an easy thing. What motivates a person to do that mitzvah when it's a real mess for him? And who's going to know? Somebody on the road. For us, this isn't common. In those days, this happened all the time. Times of the Roman Empire, all the time. You must have such a burning desire to do mitzvot that everything else gets put aside. <coughs> That's the mitzvah of Pesach Sheni. You know? How did Gula start? <laughs> they called out to Akash Baruch It's been 200 years. Pharaoh after Pharaoh, slavery after slavery. Yaakov is dead. Yosef is dead. They're long gone. But the Jewish people will not give up. Two thousand years the Roman Empire for a thousand years Pax Romana it's insane that the Jewish people still believe that there was what to dream about and here we are that is the secret of Pesach Shein. so you walk out of this base members today, tomorrow Shabbos, Sunday next week and you're heading off to different places and maybe you'll have a moment a week from now Two weeks from now, five weeks from now, ten weeks from now. And you'll be like, it's so far away. Remember this. Remember Pesach Shein. It's never over. You'll mess up in life. We all mess up in life. Remember Pesach Shein. You can take yourself back to where you were right now, and you can start again. Don't ever give up on who you are and who you can be. Little food for thoughts. Uh,